What up? Uh, we haven't done this in a fucking while, and there's only two of us now because uh, Andy Reid quit the show. Yeah, we had a we had a third <laughs> chair for exactly one episode, but it's all right. This is a you know it's this is a tough thing to schedule, which is why we're very inconsistent about it. Which is mostly my fault because I have kids playing mm-hmm. sports and. It's not mostly your fault. It, it is, is entirely, entirely your my fault. fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we're still very, very cool with Andy Reid. He just, uh, it just doesn't work. It, yeah. He's not, he's not into putting his voice on the internet like he used to be, and that's fucking fine. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, maybe he'll occasionally be on with us still, but just yeah. not as, a, well, yeah. not as a third chair. So. And it happens. No big deal. Yeah. We still love you. Yeah. So. Oh, and by the way, this is uh, this is Crucial Tunes season oh. season three now, right? We're into season season three, three episode two. I guess you know. Th- I guess that episode one was kind of like a uh, season three. It was kind of just like a bonus yeah, for po- fun ep- between season episode one half episode episode one half. So I feel like I'll just change the artwork of the title for that, and then this is Crucial Tunes season three episode one. It makes more sense because there was a, a big lull between that one and now yeah again again, because of me um whatever also um there is some huge congratulations for you in order for um for you for me yeah taco bell has mexican pizza oh dude (laughs) (laughs) you have no idea i like the day that happened i I, I was there i do have an idea because i brought it up (laughs) i fucking dude i love mexican pizzas more than more than i should they're delicious though they're fine. They're uh, they're so good, man. Like for for how well you know what the thing is are they are they more expensive now than they were when they took them off the menu? Everything at Taco Bell is more expensive than it was I, in recent years. I feel like when when I saw the price on the menu, just when I went, you know, when they got them back, I I went and saw them on the menu, and I was like, man, this this doesn't seem like as good of a value as it used to be. But it it's probably not. It's, it's probably not. But it's they're they're still tasty. I love them. So well, good. Ashley had her first Mexican pizza that day. She had never had one before, and she oh, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. She was like, "Yeah, this is uh, this is okay," which is about what <laughs> this is okay, <laughs> which is about what they deserve, honestly. But I just I love them. I don't know. I, I can't I can't explain it. I just love them. Yeah, do your thing, man. They're fine and cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. I you're welcome. I appreciate the recognition for that. Uh, what have you been listening to for the last month? For the last month, um, well, I am still on a big uh, slammy, deathy kick, uh, just because sure, my sure. band is still trying to write an EP, so I'm I'm trying to stay inspired. So uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Organectomy is one of my favorites right now. Nobody knows who that is. No, but you sh- you should check them. if you like heavy shit. They're one of the heaviest I've ever heard. So um, cool, Organectomy. Cool. Uh, I went and saw. Uh, like a tech death kind of show at Cobra Lounge in Chicago actually probably about a month ago now but um, a band called Origin who's like (coughs) one of the godfathers of technical death metal and they were absolutely fucking incredible Um, they played with with Misery Index and uh, it was was a super cool show and actually uh, saw, saw our buddy Saren at that show too um, oh, cool! And Saren was really awesome. Like I, I, you know, we've we've known Mike for. I've known Mike Lundin for like 
27 yeah, years dude, or something. It's been ages. I, I, I haven't known him quite as long as you have, but I've known him for a long time. And mm-hmm. I, this is the first time I've been able to see his band. And I was super stoked on it. And they were fucking amazing. So uh, That's awesome. shout out Saren. Uh, they've, they've, they've got some... They've got an album coming up this year, and I already got to hear it, and I fucking love it. It's it's. I feel like if someone I've known for the better part of 30 years wasn't in that band and I heard it, I'd be like, I don't like this. <laughs> I. It's probably not your thing. but It's not, but Mike Lundin in general is very much my thing, and I do like they're very different than so many other heavy bands yeah for sure and that's cool that's cool i like that but yeah i was uh i was very into it they were they were really good live uh it was my first chance being able to see them and i I dug it um nice and then the other thing i've been listening to uh which i just was like texting you about yesterday because i got super into it somehow yeah can't can't (laughs) somehow i've missed these guys for 10 years uh, is a band called Idols, um, and they're they're considered like a post punk band, but sure, but they don't like considering themselves punk. They're one of those kinds of bands. Like, uh, I mean, the the singer has been directly quoted saying like, "We're not a fucking punk band." Blah blah blah. I literally read that on their Wikipedia yeah. this morning. Yeah, I know that's, that's where I saw it on Wikipedia <laughs> yesterday too. So. Um, but yeah, they had this album la- they put out last year called Crawler or Crawler, I think Crawler Crawling, something about crawl- crawling, crawling in my skin. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> same thing, same thing. But uh, super sick album. If I would have known about it last year, there's a very good chance it would have been like my number two or maybe even my number one album of what was your number one body box body box ended up being my number okay. one yeah i don't even remember what my number one was, it was oh turnstile, turnstile. Yeah. duh duh it's always turnstile even <laughs> if they didn't put out an album that year it's yeah. always turnstile but yeah i i am very into that that uh idols album right now so cool how about you um i mean there's like the staples like uh i've been listening this week specifically i've been listening to a lot of useless id okay um they're just like uh a super melodic skate punk band from Israel, which is fucking tight that they're from Israel. I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, fucking Infest by P. Roach. I listened to a bunch last <laughs> week, and the riffs on that record are fucking untouchable. Yeah. They're so good. And um, within the last, like, probably the last year or two, I knew who the Bomb Pops were. But I didn't really listen to them much. They would come up on a daily mix, and I'm like, "Fuck, this is fucking good. I should listen to this band more." And I always forgot. Um, and then a different one of their songs came up on a daily mix, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is good." So I stopped and went back and listened to their whole last record they put out. And ever since then, I've listened to that record twice a day for I don't know the last two months. Yeah, you you sent me. There's such you sent me one yeah, of their songs like <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I checked. I yeah. I really dig it. That was really good. It's just like super crispy, incredibly well written, melodic. Uh, they have two front women, which is tight because both of their front people are chicks, and they both are incredible songwriters. Their music's not over the top or crazy. It's just simple, well written, well produced sounding music, and I fucking love it. Now, am I mixing them up with somebody? Is that someone's daughter in Bomb Pops? I don't know. I th- yeah, oh uh, yeah, they, they do all have parents. Oh yes, okay, 
perfect. <laughs> no, I, sw I swear I read like it's somebody big, like someone from. Oh, I don't know. I don't Here, know. I'm, sure. I'm going to Google um, this while we're talking. <coughs> one of them recently left and was replaced by uh, the purple mask from Masked <coughs> Intruder. Okay. Which makes a shit ton of sense that someone from Masked Intruder would fill the void in Bomb Pops. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. But yeah, I'm <coughs> fucking, I'm, I am obsessed with them right now. I, I listen to them all the time. All the fucking time. Uh, you know, I I guess I am mixing them up with somebody. I I had a, you know, I I thought I had read something about like they were. I don't know. I don't I don't know what I'm thinking of. Whatever. I don't know who I'm thinking of, but it had something. It, it had something to do with Fat Wreck, but maybe it's just because they are on Fat Wreck. Oh, and uh, I've also been constantly listening to for the last couple of days that new Counterpart song. I, I didn't I didn't listen to it yet. Oh my god, it's so fucking I know. good. I, I need to listen to it's it. It's so good. I cannot wait for this record. There's a chance that if this album is as good as this single, that'll knock Comeback Kid out for my number one slot for album of the year. That's that's bold. It yeah, it is bold. But I mean, still at this point, like we're halfway through the year already. Yeah. So, um, but uh, huge fucking year so far. Also, new Post Malone album is phenomenal i knew you know what? i it, meant to listen phenomenal. to that i meant to listen to that yesterday i didn't get around to it someone was like oh it's just sad i'm like it's fucking post malone fuck you what'd you think was gonna happen <laughs> it's amazing <clears throat> uh that tech death band i was just talking about origin um they actually just put out a new album this week i didn't cool. i didn't listen to it but they played a song or two live when i saw them a month ago so i i heard some of it it was really good Cool. I know. I know how much you love Tech Death, so I wanted to bring it back to that. I couldn't name a single <laughs> thing about what Tech Death is. Tech Death, uh, like Beneath the Massacre, or uh, like the Faceless. Yes, yes, that's that's tech grind to me. No, that's technical death metal. This is not even close to grind. It's kind of close to grind. It's it's fast and obnoxious. No, th there's there's subtleties that you're missing there. It's it's not grind at all. And that's fair because I get that because. I have those same. I don't know the word I'm using, but uh, I, I, for like punk punk based stuff, the the little subtleties that differentiate blah differentiate blah blah. blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, that one. Uh, I get it. I do get it. But yeah, because like um, hot water music and propaganda are different kinds of punk, and I can tell you why. So I get it. Yeah, that is that's a fair comparison there. Yeah, I understand. Okay, well, good. We got anyway. that out of the way. <laughs> cool. So, but yeah, that's about. Um, oh, also, uh, no pressure. Just dropped a full length. No pressure. And it, it's exactly what you think it is. Mm -hmm. It sounds. It sounds like no pressure. Every song kind of sounds the same, but it's fucking sick, and I love it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, that's a, that's <clears throat> about everything that I'm listening to currently. Cool. Well, you wanna. Get on to the topic of the show. We are talking about our favorite producers and engineers. Yeah, I I only went producers just because I. Well, I'm not gonna like say what whoever did on a specific record. Yeah, they just had something to do with the the technical side of the record, and that's enough. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, I I figured I I don't have as many. Uh, honorable mentions as you do, so sure. I figured if you want to rattle off a couple of yours, and then I'll 
I'll jump in when you hit. Because right, you have three, you said? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, have I have a feeling a couple of them are the same as yours. So if you want to go with all of yours and then well, whatever I you... have, I have five honorable mentions. I have two that I can just like rattle off quick <clears throat> because I don't have a shit ton to, to say really. Okay. Um, but before that, I will say Rob Cavallo is the best producer and engineer of all time. Well, is that uh, like, is that blowing your load there? Like, no, he's not on my list. I'm oh, just saying okay. he's he did. Every single one of Green Day's 50 albums. Yeah. Uh, and he's done literally everybody else, and he's amazing. And that's all I'll say. Rob Cavallo is the fucking goat. Okay. Anyway, the, uh, the two honorables I will rattle off quick, do not get super into, are uh, Rick Ocasek from The Cars. Oh, sick. He did uh, He did uh, Bad Brains, a lot of Weezer, Bad Religion, a lot of cool stuff. Dude, Rick Ocasek, like... Rick Ocasek is a fucking dude. G, he's, dude, he's tight and he looks sick. I feel like he always has shades on. Yeah, <laughs> that's tight, man. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, and the other one is uh, Butch Vig. He plays drums for uh, for uh, Garbage. I thought you were gonna say Nirvana. Well, he he did. He fucking produced Nevermind. Yeah. Uh, he did uh, Sonic Youth, Helmet, um, Foo Fighters, Jimmy World, AFI. He's done everybody. And he's fuck. He's fucking Butch Vig. He did n- never mind. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's the he's the fucking coolest. And he looks sick. And his band Garbage <clears throat> is awesome. Yeah. Do you like Garbage? Yeah, I do. Because I was gonna. You, you have like crimson hair. You look like you love Garbage. <laughs> you look like a dude that <laughs> loves mayonnaise. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite thing that's ever happened in life. That's sad, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> it happens. Um. One we can talk about for sure. Um, one of my honorables, Will Putney. Well, okay, Will Putney's in my top five. Okay, then we'll skip that. <laughs> um, well, yep. I don't have him. Are you fucking kidding me? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Will Yip. He's a pretty young guy. He owns Studio Four, which I believe is somewhere <clears throat> in Pennsylvania. He's done all of like the the East Coast, like po- like post grunge, like. After the the sad boy pop punk revival stuff like Citizen, Balance and Composure, Title Fight, mm-hmm. uh, he also did Time and Space from Turnstile, mm-hmm. uh, and he's incredible. Time and Space is mwah, chef kiss, amazing mwah. sounding record. It's so fucking good. Will Yip is amazing. Um, he did the things we think we're missing by Balance and Composure, which is one of my favorite albums ever. Yeah, uh, he did. I I think he did every Title Fight album, and I. Fucking absolutely love Title Five. They're probably top ten favorite bands of all time for me. Um, that's really all I got to say about him. Okay. Well, I'll jump in and, and throw one, one in. Sure. Uh, Steve Albini. I know he's like a goat. He didn't even make my list Steve, at all. Steve Albini is uh well first the first thing he was known for was he was part of like the uh, the the no wave movement in in the 80s sure sure, uh, sure you know when new wave was big and everyone was trying to ride that new wave uh there was like kind of a, a anti new wave movement called no wave where uh you know really i think a lot of noise and grind artists today owe their careers like, to who, no who wave is like a like the quintessential no wave artist uh well so steve albini was in a band called big black that was a, sure. a big no Shout wave. Shout out Rob Dyrdek. 
as I as I don't I'm I'm unfamiliar with Rob Dyrdek except except for like the ridiculousness and yeah. Do you know Robin Big? Yeah. That guy. The other guy was Big Black. Oh no shit! I never watched Robin Big. Yes, the the massive black man called himself Big Black. Okay. Do you think he was naming himself after this band? Severely doubted. No, yeah, also, I, Sky Point, that guy, <laughs> he died a couple years ago, and he was a G. Well, anyway, so he was, anyway. He was in a band <laughs> called Big Black. He was also in another band called Shellac. Um, they're very, like I said, part of the, part of the no-wave, like, post-punk, noise-rock kind of movement, which I know you're not a big fan of that kind of stuff, because you... You like melody de- a little bit. <laughs> it de- it depends on the on the context, but some of it I can I can be. Into. I I love that kind of shit because I I like that it is. You know, it's not constrained to like anything that has to. It it doesn't have to define itself. You know, it's it's sure. art for the sake of art rather than music for the sake of. You know, music. music. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's it's art in an audio form instead of. I, I all you know. well, all music is art in an audio sure, form. Sure, sure, but like, I get it. It's just it's it's different. The, the, con- the constraints of of songwriting and melody, and when I say constraints, those are definitely constraints when mm-hmm. you're trying to be as experimental as possible. And they just threw those out the window, and they can do whatever they want. Absolutely. But what up, bro? There's a kid behind you. Oh shit! My kid's in here. Why'd you look the other direction of the door? <laughs> I didn't know. Hey, what up, dude? We're recording show. Go away. Go away. See you, dude. Get out of here. I don't go. I ask mom. Get out of here. Okay. So anyway, uh, so yeah, as a producer, um, Steve Albini for one works in Chicago. Um, which is he does. sick. And actually, one of the cool things about working with him as a producer and an engineer, um, <clears throat> he has always had this kind of method. Even though he's a huge producer, uh, he only charges bands like what they can afford to pay, you know? So that's so tight. Yeah, he's 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 one of those kinds of guys that like he he's uh he's definitely like a musician first. He's not, you know. He's not in it for the money. That's cool. Um, but he's done a lot of he's done a lot of engineering and and he he likes to call himself an engineer rather than a producer. Sure, um, sure. But he's recorded for Nirvana. He did in utero. Uh, he's done Pixies. He's done the Breeders. Jesus Lizard. He's done Super Chunk. Uh, Jawbreaker. Did, didn't he do a lot of pumpkins? Uh, I believe so. I'm trying to find, look. His, I could be wrong. His, but his list is giant. So like, I know his his uh, production discography is fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's he's. I, I mean, he's he's huge. Like, take some time to look through his catalog. I guarantee you've heard at least ten albums that he's been a part of. Like all the like the Steve Albini's and the Brian Eno's and all that stuff. Like I didn't put them on my list because like, I'm pretty narrow-minded with music and that's not what hits me the most sure so but i totally understand who these guys are and i respect them to hell and back okay yeah very fair but yeah that's so that's albini that's that was my i have one more honorable i have one more honorable as well i'm i'm kind of worried my honorable is going to be on your top five though okay well um then do your other honorable 
Wait, no. That it, you said you had three, right? Yeah, I thought I had three, but I only have two, apparently. Okay, well, I'll do one of mine. Um, I'm the only one I have left. Uh, James Paul Wisner. I'm not familiar. Um, you know a bunch of his stuff. He did uh, They're Only Chasing Safety. Oh! Um, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of the 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 mid-2000s tooth and nail screamo shit. He did uh, every Further Seems Forever album. He's done almost every dashboard record. Very cool. Um, just really clean, tight, clear, pretty music. He did a lot of Stretch Armstrong, um, Glass Eaters, a lot of Victory stuff. Um, just makes great sounding poppy rock I was gonna say, So it, what that says to me is this guy has an ear for like being able to pull and and isolate the the melodic parts of the melodic stuff and and make it sound a, crisp and clean right and he did a lot of early paramore oh um, that's sick i need to i need he, to look into his catalog he's he's amazing <clears throat> he is amazing he he still does dashboard i think he did the last dashboard um he's he's so sick i love almost everything he's done yeah i i like i'm gonna have to what what was his name again James Paul Wisner. James Paul Wisner. I'm going to put that in my notes. I'm going to look him yeah, up he's later. Awesome. But yeah, that's uh, that's all my honorables I got. So then uh, next <clears throat> is uh, the lists. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so going to skip. I'm going to skip my honorable because I have, like I said, I have a feeling you're going to have him on your <laughs> list. But uh, <laughs> since you already okay. mentioned him and he was going to be my number five anyway, I'm going to yeah, bring. Cool. I'm going to bring up Will Putney. If you've listened to any heavy record, not you, but whoever's listening, <laughs> if you listen to any heavy record made in the last 10 years, Will Putney probably had something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he's legendary. He's uh he's very good at the heavy artists. Um he he's done Every Time I Die. He's done Knocked Loose. He's done Norma Jean. He's done uh he did body count, <laughs> which he did fucking body count, and that body count rules. album slams so hard. Um, Stray from the path, winds of plague. You know, uh, he did end uh, splinters of an ever changing face. He's in end beautiful album. He plays guitar for end, yeah, and he's the sickest. Yeah, I love Will Putney. I use a lot of Will Putney's plugins. Um, he did Brain Pain, the Four Year Strong album, which was, um, I think, my number two, maybe, of 2020. <clears throat> I could be wrong. I don't remember. Ridiculous sounding album. It's mm-hmm. so incredibly heavy sounding. It's, it's oh, he's, I love the way he does everything. Yeah. He's so sick. His, he's for sure one of my favorite heavy producers ever. His plugins are kind of like the standard for if you're home recording metal guitars. You use the Will yeah, Putney plugins. Um, yeah. he's just he's he's very good at what he does. His his uh, what his resume speaks for itself. Um, you know he I, I'm gonna just shoot off a couple more. He's he's done uh, Die Art is Murder, uh, which yes, very very good albums. Wasn't he in that? He's in Die Art is Murder. I that I don't know. That's that's possible. I'm almost positive. I'm gonna Google it quick. I'm I'm, I'm on already on it. Oh, cool. Um, but I'm I'm almost positive. No, he was in Putty's he was in, in fit for an autopsy. He is in fit for an autopsy. Yes. They're mad similar, right? Yeah. Yeah, very similar. Okay. So okay. that's that was a very fair comparison. All right. I'll, I'll I knew he was in <clears> some <throat> some huge like what is that? Is that it's not metalcore. Uh, that's, that's like death, death, core. death core. That's death core. Ha, I knew it. Yeah. Ha, ha. 
What the fuck ever. <laughs> that one you got. I'll give you that one. Cool. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's also done... Um, he did uh, Coma Witch for the Acacia Strain. Um, which Tight. Great album for them. Um, yeah, that's... I. I I, I got I got nothing else. It's, it's, he's great a great metal producer. Cool. While we're talking about metal stuff, my number five is Adam D. That's I. That was my other honorable. <laughs> Adam I, D. I figured we there was no way we were going to go through this show without talking about Adam D. So that's why I put him on my honorables because I figured you were going to have him on your list for sure. Adam D. is much more of a producer than an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and when. He did a lot of work in the <clears throat> mid-2000s with Matt Goldman, who was an engineer, owns Go in the Dark Studios, I want to say, in Atlanta. Um, they did a lot of, like, uh, I know together they did Define the Great Line, mm-hmm. which is such a ridiculously good-sounding record. Um, Adam D's done, uh, he did Bless the Martyr, mm-hmm. um, a lot of From On to Ashes, uh, I Am Hollywood by He Is Legend. Um, some as LA dying, August burns red, and he's in fucking kill switch engaged. Yeah. He's the sickest. Uh, he also and he was on the Price Is Right. He also did. Uh, he did three Acacia Strain albums. Uh, Thirty seven fifty was one of them, and that's that's my second favorite Acacia Strain album. So right on. it's a sick sounding album. Um, it's amazing. He did. He's done Prada. He's done Unearth. He did several, maybe all Unearth albums. I, I, I'm not sure, but Unearth. I feel like is very underrated for like what quintessential metalcore is supposed to be. Oh, absolutely. They're, Unearth, they're, they're, uh, Unearth is mad underrated. Unearth fucking rules. They are super, super like locked into exactly what metalcore is. You know, yes, very technical, like, very, very melodic, very chuggy, but you know, riffy. Like breakdowns. They could be on uh, the the Mount Rushmore of like the quintessential. Mid two thousands metalcore with like Absolutely. Kill Switch and As I Dying and Unearth and I don't know who the other one would be. But yeah, but yeah. A- Adam D, uh, just he's he's a legend. He's an absolute legend. And uh, anybody that has anything to do with metal, if you don't appreciate Adam D as a person, a musician, producer, you're just you're wrong. <laughs> like there's nothing sure, there's sure. nothing else to it. He's he's just incredible. So, fair enough. But yeah, that's uh, that's my number five. Okay. So, what's your number four? My number four. Uh, hopefully, I, I this. I'm pretty sure he's probably on your list somewhere. So hopefully, uh, tell tell me if I I'll stop and we can talk about him later. Okay. Uh, John Feldman. No. You Feldman is not on your list. No. Oh man. Do you not? I respect John I was, Feldman very much. Wow. Well, that blows my mind. So no, I I, lo- I really like what he does, but the the other four I have are better than John. Fair, Feldman. Okay, fair enough. So John <laughs> Feldman, uh, most people would know him as the lead singer and guitarist of Goldfinger, um, sure. and he's he's done so many like legendary pop punk. Uh, I don't I don't even uh, there's he's done several different genres, but they're all around that kind of. Pop rock, pop punk, M- kind of melodic, melodic and crispy yes. music. He's done. He's done the used. He's done Good Charlotte, um, Story of the Year. He did Page Avenue. Page Avenue to this day sounds so 
fucking good. Yes. It's a it's such a perfectly produced album, and I love Page and Avenue. He nailed that one. Um, he's he did. Even even more poppy stuff like Ashley Simpson and Hillary Duff. He's worked with them. Mm. He did. Uh, I think he did Five Seconds of Summer. He did Five Seconds of Summer. Um, he's he's done the last couple Blink records. Done Blink. He's done. He did Fever Three Three Three. He's done. So he's he's good at a lot of different yeah, shit. He can he he's can a, nail he's a, a very lot of sounds. Talented guy. Um, one thing you'll always notice about a uh, Feldman album, which is why I figured he was going to be on your list. His sound is very tight and crisp. Like there's sure. there's no slop in his albums. Oh. He's it's very there, everything is not. punchy, very crisp, uh, I, uh, tight. I, I use the words tight and crisp twice because it's the that like kind of it just wraps up his oh. sound. If we were talking about like super super modern stuff, I probably would have put him somewhere. Fair enough, but he is he is fucking incredible. And I just I love him too, just because I I love Goldfinger, um, one of my favorite, if not probably my favorite like ska punk band. I like Goldfinger quite a bit. Um, and actually, you know, I my love for Goldfinger, first of all, was rekindled uh, just a couple of years ago when they put out the knife, which I loved the knife. I thought it was a perfect album. The knife. This might be bold. But the knife to me probably my second favorite Goldfinger album. It it's up there for me. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's second or third or but it's it's Is the definitely first one the first one self titled the purple one. Yeah, and then they had that's my favorite. Yeah, and what up, bro? I'm recording a podcast. Hi. <laughs> how are you? She, I don't. She can't hear you. I got headphones on. Oh well, I said how are you? Tell her. He he's Larry says how are you. She said, she just woke up. She worked nights last night. So respect. Well, shout out, Ashley. She's a G. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, Goldfinger, um, they during the pandemic, they put out a bunch of like, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, like live stream videos where yeah, like each of the members live videos, each like of, pandemic videos. Yeah. Each of the members like recorded their own section of the video yeah. in their own home studios and then mm. they pieced them together and. I loved them. I've they were all great. I've told this analogy or story before on podcast, probably ten times in my life. But uh, John Feldman's like, I want to start Goldfinger again, and all the guys in Goldfinger were like, No, and so he's like, Fuck you! I'm gonna put together the best band I could possibly <laughs> do. And he got fucking Mike Carrera to play bass, the guy from yeah. Story of the Year to play guitar and do high harmonies, and Travis Barker to play drums. And he's like, Dude, yeah. I don't fucking need you guys. I got the best guys in the world. Yeah, for sure. I, for all intents and purposes, Feldman is Goldfinger. Yes, he is. So. He's a phenomenal songwriter. And yeah. even outside of producing and, and recording, he just writes songs for yeah. everybody. Yeah. He's an amazing songwriter. And uh, I listen to like a lot of podcasts with him or people who have worked with him. Like, um, He drinks a violent amount of coffee, and he's always like, go, 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 go. So he's and you. I want to <laughs> lock myself in a room with John Feldman and... For just like a couple days, Dude, that we would, would be make a whole album. That would be chaos. You and John Feldman drinking coffee, writing songs. Yeah, chaos. It'd be, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be so tight. All right, who's your four? Um, so question for you. Yeah. Santana, Imagine Dragons, Macy Gray, Slipknot, Neil Diamond, Typo Negative, Pete Yorn. Justin Timberlake and Public Enemy and Slayer. What do all those artists have in common? 
I, well, since we're talking about producers, I have to imagine they were all produced by the same person. By fucking Rick Rubin. No shit. Uh, yeah, th- that was only a couple of the insane list of artists he's worked with. It's bonkers. He's yeah. worked with everyone. Yeah, Rick Rubin is uh, another one of those legendary. Rick Rubin is like the definition of innovation. Yeah, and he also co-founded Def Jam Records. He's done everything. He's worked with he's worked with System of a Down and Neil Diamond and Lana Del Rey. <laughs> and Beastie Boys and... Uh, Everyone. You look at the list of artists he's worked with and you can't fathom that it's the same guy. And you know, you know the funniest thing is, look up a picture of the dude, too. He's, yeah, he, he's look, he looks crazy. Got this huge bushy beard, completely unkempt. Like not, his hair is just unbrushed, wearing and dirty huge. t-shirts and shit. Like he's the sloppiest looking human being in the face of the planet. You you would not imagine that he produces some of like the biggest artists in the world. Uh, it's yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, ba- just based on <clears throat> that alone, that's why he's on there because yeah. he can do fucking anything. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, a huge name that I I don't know why that didn't even that didn't even occur to me to to put him on the list. Fucking yeah, but, yeah. I I just pulled up his Wikipedia for his production discography. There's just hundreds of records here of mm-hmm. huge huge names. The, I, the biggest names. He worked with Johnny Cash. Yeah, and you already named a bunch of the big ones. You know, uh, he's also he did he's done. Uh, Rage, Aerosmith, Audio Slave, Lil John and the East Side Boys, uh, fucking ACDC, Nine Inch Nails. Everybody. Lady everybody. Gaga. Like, he's done everybody. Rick Rubin is the sickest. God damn. I, you know, if Rick, if Rick Rubin did more <laughs> records that were special to me, he for sure deserves to be the number one. He's fucking Rick Rubin. So, in, in one year... Let's just look at 1986. 1986, he did Run DMC's Raising Hell. He did Slayer's yep. Rain and Blood. He did Beastie Boys' License to Ill. In it, All in 1986. Three of the most important albums, not even in their genres, just the three of the most important albums ever made. Dude, that's nuts. Rick Rubin, man. Yeah, Rick Rubin. Cheers to Rick Rubin. And now Rick Rubin, like his studio is like this really like zen zen ass secluded like Hollywood Hills type of vibe where like meditating in robes type of shit. Like it's fucking tight, man. <laughs> meditating in robes. I like that. Something like that. I don't know. I don't know how true that is, but I'm pretty sure that this is the case. I could imagine that. But yeah, that's uh my number four <clears throat> is absolutely Rick Rubin because he is the he's fucking Rick Rubin. Awesome, I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. And uh, uh, the Beastie Boys are unreasonably special to me. For sure, for sure. I didn't put a lot of hip hop production on here actually, because like, it, it all it it would have been all hip hop producers like like Jay Dilla or DJ Premier or MF Doom or Mad Lib and stuff like that. But that would have taken up the whole fucking thing. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's what I got. Well, Rick Rubin is amazing. My number three 
should probably, if, if anybody has listened to a single episode of this podcast, uh, my number three should not surprise anybody. It's, it's not, uh, this is your number one, I thought. Mm, I, well, maybe. There, there are two producers that I'm pretty sure I may have mentioned several times. This one's my number three. Um, well, you know what? Actually, no. I'm going to back up. I'm going to bump him up to number two, and I'll go with my what I was going to use my number two uh, will be my number three instead. Okay. Um, this is a producer that I I am I, I hate him as a person. Uh, he's a terrible person, um, but one of the most important producers in the history of music. Um, okay. Phil Spector. I don't know who that is. Phil Spector uh, was the creator in in the fifties and sixties of a sound that they called the wall of sound recording method. Um, and if you heard, if you hear any of the things he's produced, um, he did. Then he kissed me by the Crystals. He did "Be My Baby" by the Ronettes, which is considered like one of the greatest pop songs of all time. Um, he did. He did a lot of Ronettes. He did uh, a lot of Curtis Lee. Uh, you know, it's it's all that kind of. Um, I, I I'm trying to think of what what that genre is considered. Um, I guess kind of just R and B, like pop R and B um, from okay. the early '60s, like Beach Boys type of shit. Yes, actually uh, worked closely with the Beach Boys. I don't think he produced uh, anything that the Beach Boys did, but. His production of Be My Baby um, was a giant influence on Brian Wilson, who produced the Beach Boys and was a member right of the on. Beach Boys. But um, yeah, Phil Spector, just a, a huge, huge, important producer, um, but awful person. Uh, he actually, Shit. Uh, I believe he was convicted of murder. Murder. Yeah, um, he murdered uh, Lana Clarkson. Oh, murder is like that's that's the one. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, you, he's you, uh, he's a bad woo. he's a bad dude, and I believe he died in jail uh, just like last year. Um, but yeah, so terrible person, but super super important producer. Oh, okay, okay, the, respect. Look up look up the wall of sound sometime. It's once you hear. What is when I, well, because when I think about the term wall of sound, I think like mad speakers, lots of mics, it's lots of reverb, filling up a bunch <clears throat> of different weird frequencies. So like, it's it's more actually it's it's less microphones, but tons of instruments directed into those few microphones to just kind of fill up all the space on the track so you have way less control of every individual thing that sounds stupid yeah but you got to consider this was the 60s where they were only doing three four track recording in the first place you know right i, I get so, it that's so crazy to me to think about uh like back then because like if anyone listens to this like i do a a, a very substantial amount of home recording mm -hmm. and uh i have complete control of every little tiny aspect of everything well that's that's kind of why i included phil Spector on this list is because he, sure, he sure. could take a, a single microphone recording of a, an orchestra in a room and listen back to it and then he would say no we got to scrap that one because this this one uh 
I don't know, cello needs to move two feet back because it's too close to the microphone. And he was a master at that. He could get just the right balance using Man, very I bet little. Working equipment. with that guy was a nightmare. Yeah, I, that's. <laughs> I I think working with any producers in the '60s was probably a nightmare because they had they had to be very specific, or else they wouldn't capture the sound. Yeah, if you didn't nail your take, fuck you. You have to do it again, and mm-hmm. you're, this, this tape ain't cheap. Yeah. So yeah, that's why Phil Spector's on my list, and I'm I'm telling. Listen to the the very best example of his sound is be my baby by the ronettes it's and it's right on it's an amazing song it's so well produced and it captures that wall of sound that he is known for creating right on we for sure have gone over 40 minutes on this call yeah we had to have right yeah i don't know why it hasn't stopped that's all right let's keep rolling whatever our mics are recording separately it don't matter yeah for sure so uh my number three well, actually, since we are at number three and we have gone forty minutes, do you want to chill for a second? Yeah, and start. And yeah, start we can take again? a take a quick pee break and because uh, uh, back in. My ne- my next three are fucking huge for me. I I think I know who at least one of them is. You know who all three of them are. I might, I might, I I almost for sure know your number one. I think. All right, I peed and I got a. I went from a Vizzy to a White Claw because, you know, whatever. You gotta be classy like that, man. I'm on uh, another Twisted T. Twisted T. Twist. These are the half twist. and halves. The it's the Arnold Palmer of. Oh, it's like a, I was gonna say it's a, twi- a Twisted AP. Yeah, yeah. Right I'm, on, I'm big, man. Big fan of the Arnold Palmers. Cool. All right, so. so um, we're, who, we're up to number three, right? Is it me or you? It's your number three. Okay. My number three. Uh, he did a bunch of Drive Like Jehu, Jimmy World, Midtown, fucking Dude Ranch by Blink-182, Finch, The <clears throat> Starting Line, Something Corporate, The Bled, Motion City Soundtrack. Uh, he's the guy that Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge heard an album he, he did, which was a Jimmy Eat World record. And he's like, fuck, no, we need this fucking guy. And that's Mark Trombino. Mark Trombino. Mark Trombino. He was like a fucking uh, uh, a Pro Tools OG. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time when a lot of these early bands <laughs> that he did, like when he started doing Jimmy World, like he did Clarity, like early Jimmy World stuff. They're like, what the fuck is this? Like they couldn't believe that it this was how they were making a record. Yeah. Mark Trombino, like he did What of This to Burn. He did Say It Like You Mean It. Uh, Dude Ranch, fucking everything. A lot of the early drive-through stuff. Uh, I want to say he did Bleed American. Um, so much incredible shit. Mark Trombino fucking rules, man. And you also you mentioned uh, Drive Like Jehu. He yeah. was actually the drummer of Drive Like Jehu. He was in Drive Like Jehu. And uh, Drive Like Jehu is. Uh, you love them. I do love them. And they were, uh, so they're, they've been, so they were an emo band in the early 90s. Sure. Um, that is kind of directly responsible for several of my, I, well, one of my favorite artists of all time, uh, Seven Angels, Seven Plagues. Um, Fuck yeah. Very, very uh, influ. Well, okay, let's back up even further. Botch uh, was very inspired by Drive Like Jehu. Sure. Um, 
I, where am I going with this? Minus the bear, fucking uh, Russian circles, all of that inspired by Drive Like Jehu. Absolutely. Huge, huge influence. Um, just a great band. Uh, and he was the drummer. So I, I'm, I'm happy you brought them up. <laughs> oh, totally. I, that, that's the first one on, on the list because he fucking was in it. Yeah. But if, if you were able to make such a monumental genre-defying album like Clarity and you mm-hmm. make it sound so fucking good that like the commercial godfathers of punk rock were like, hey, make our record. You're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, when you listen back to, like, you listen to What It Is To Burn or the Midtown stuff he did or Say It Like You Mean It, those records are perfect sounding. Nothing about those could change. He is fucking incredible. Yeah. I I uh, love everything Mark Trombino has done. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at his list and it's it's uh it's amazing. There's some good shit on there. Yeah, dude, he's huge, dude. He's done some great great shit. I was going to say a lot of these artists on his list are like this is your shit. <laughs> this, yeah. This is you. This his everything on here is like your taste in music. No, the next two are even more me. Ex- except Steel Train. I know you don't I don't know. You don't care. No, but Train. but no, but Steel Train they fit in that because they were uh, a early to mid two thousands drive through records band. Yeah, and he did fucking all of them. Yeah, he did all of them. I was, I really liked uh, Trampoline. Their album Trampoline was really good. Cool. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting distracted looking at this list of bands. No, you're I didn't, fine. I didn't, I didn't know he did all these. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So I'm assuming you know my other two. Maybe. You've got to. Well, I didn't know this one was going to be on your list, so this this was a surprise for me. Well, so, who did you who did you think one of them was going to be? Well, I don't know. We'll, 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 get, we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Uh, so my number two, um, my number two and my number one are going to be obvious ones for like I said, anybody that's ever listened to this podcast. And uh, my number two, I'm going to have to come in with Ross Robinson. That's not your number one. No, I thought for, for I know. a month I thought this was your number one. <laughs> Ross Robinson. Uh, is it's I'll tell you what that's oh, I, my, I'm fucking flabbergasted. <laughs> well, when you hear my number one, you'll know why. Okay, but Did Ross, Ross Robinson, Robinson do the self-titled Slipknot. Yes, and, and as a as a uh, giant new metal fan, uh, Ross Robinson kind of was was one of the definers of the sound of new metal. You know, he is he, the definer. He other, produced, other than like Monkey, he is the guy. He produced the most important new metal albums ever created. He produced. Which, did he do any corn? He produced the self-titled corn album, which is considered the, the beginning of new metal. Of new metal. Um, he, do you think? Do you think he was doing that like at the board working on this? He's like, this is going to ruin the fucking world. This I don't sucks. know. Like, I don't is, know. This is such ridiculous music. I, I tell you what, I would love to know. <laughs> what he was thinking at the board because some of the shit he's done is so crazy like well corn was so ahead of its time you know true Uh, true shout out corn for sure man yeah 1994 nobody else was doing that they invented a sound and he invented a way to capture that sound you know but he he had to have been thinking and he's like nobody's gonna like this (laughs) 
I, maybe. <laughs> or maybe he just knew, like, this is going to change everything. And it did. It did. Um, he also did Life is Peachy by Corn. He did yeah. $3 Bill for Limp Biscuit. He one did. of the heaviest fucking records. Yes. Dude, $3 Bill is absolutely, Violent, dude. absolutely the best Limp Biscuit album because that was Limp Biscuit before they were Limp Biscuit. That's not even a Limp Biscuit album, really. That's that's a fucking heavy ass that's, rap metal album. That's one of the uh the first album, second album things that I think we see eye to eye on. Yeah. I'm, $3 I'm Bill surprised is my about favorite. That. And don't get me wrong, Significant Other is... Significant Other fucking slams, and it's, it's a great all album. singles. The album had like seven singles on yeah, it. It's, and, it's a great it's album. It's a great and it, record. It's and very that is, long. That is absolutely... That is Limp Biscuit sounding their most Limp Biscuit. But $3 Bill was... They didn't... They weren't even... This, I mean, they yeah, it was the same guys, but that was not the same sound at all, you know? There was, no. It was... Three dollar bill was fucking aggressive as fuck, yeah. man. And, and heavy that, that's, record. That's the Ross Robinson sound, man. He's I've I've read like interviews about bands that recorded with him, and they just made it sound like you know you always hear the the stories about uh, Kubrick when he was directing The Shining, um, and he was working with uh, I I don't what's what's the woman's name in The Shining? Shelley Long. Is it Shelley Long? Is it Shelley Long? Maybe. I'm I could not. be wrong. I probably am because I've only seen The Shining a couple times. Okay, it is not Shelley Long, but it is. She looks just like her. The Shining. What the fuck is her name? Shelley Duvall. They're both called Shelley. Yes. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> so there, there's, there's, you know, you hear all these stories about Shelley Duvall during The Shining. Like Stanley Kubrick would like yell at her and scream at her and like demean her and stuff just to get her upset and crying and stuff so he could capture that raw emotion on on film i, I get that like you're that's pure human emotion is the most artistic thing it's, you can capture but also doing that to a person that's pretty unchill oh dude it is it is and that's <laughs> you could not get away with that these days you know there I, was some band because it's this it, a little off the off the rails but it kind of fits into that there was some like weird experimental like abrasively I don't even I don't I think they were like a black metal band maybe I forget who it was. Um their singer was like violently claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. So he locked himself he in a into a coffin with a microphone to just capture the sound of pure human fear. Which mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that's that's tight. I like that. But like why are you gonna do that to yourself, man? You can just scream harder. Was that was that mayhem? No, mayhem like eight people and like wore their mayhem, teeth on necklaces and shit. Mayhem was fucking nuts. Everything they did. Didn't was they nuts. kill some of the guys in mayhem? Like some this, of the dudes in mayhem killed guys in mayhem or something. Like well, and the other dudes were like about it. Yes. So the lead singer uh, committed suicide, and uh, he like he he blew his brains out in a in a cabin in the woods. And the band, so one of the members of the band took a picture of it, and that ended up being like their next album. Um. But that was there, the album art for the that next That was the album, album art, yeah. Um, but Jesus that, fucking Christ! Yeah, dude, they were fucking. They were nuts, man. They were nuts. Everything That's about cool. them was crazy. Um, well, anyway, so we're going we're going down a side path here. But uh, look up the history of uh, of mayhem. Just, All right, I will. Because it is 
it's the most metal fucking band you've ever heard of. Just the way they acted and behaved and stuff. They're just they're crazy, crazy people. Who was who was the Swedish band that burnt churches for real? Was that Burzum? Well, Burzum, um, or did, Burzum did fucked up shit, right? Burzum is a is one guy. Um, uh, it's Varg, Varg Vikarns or something, um, and that's. So he started Burzum while he was in prison for murder, I believe. Um, but yeah, he was known for burning down churches, and he was in. Um, so yeah, he was he was charged with murder, arson, and theft, and uh, he started Burzum while he was in in church while well, in jail. Um, but he was in he was in mayhem. Okay. So I think they were the ones burning down the churches. And then uh, Varg murdered the bassist or something. I don't. He murdered somebody in the band, and that's I know what he went some, to jail for. Somebody in one of those big time black metal bands killed some other guys in the band for the sake of the art or some shit. I don't know, man. Black metal is fucking dumb. Don't kill nobody for your art. Yeah. Just and be also, better. So we got way off the rails on this. <laughs> so we were talking about. Well, didn't Ross Robinson do Glassjaw? Yes, so that's that. So what I was trying to bring up though about Ross Robinson is I've I've read interviews, and this is why I brought up Stanley Kubrick and The Shining. Um, so I've read interviews where Ross Robinson would do shit like like scream at the guys while they're recording, and you know he would walk into the live room and just throw shit just to you know just to get a rise out of the guys so he could capture that kind of raw. Like there's there's a story in um, you know well Slipknot was recording their self titled album like he would he would be like throwing shit at Corey Taylor while he was recording and he like Corey Taylor would like be throwing up right before a take just so his voice would be extra raw and just just crazy shit like that like that's what I've I heard feel about. Like Rush I'm, I'm going about recording music all wrong. <laughs> well, this that's the thing like. So this is what I like about, you know, first album recordings is there is this level of intensity and fucking there's just this idea of experimenting. And that's why I get so bored with modern recording. It's because it's just like a dude. And I look, (laughs) please don't take this personally, but like just a dude sitting at a computer, like playing a guitar line. He's not this. That one's no good. Click. I'm going to do another one. What I do. I know, and I, I, I just I love I love the stories of old recording. Like, well, uh, sure, but I don't have that option. Like, oh, sure, you do. You, you can still experiment. Like uh, the story of Taproot when they were recording their second album. Um, they had. Do you remember those like little smoky amps that looked like cigarette packs with a speaker in them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a song on their second album where supposedly they had one of those little smokies and they dropped it in a steel garbage can. And just put a microphone in the garbage can and recorded a track like that just to use as an intro. And it's just stupid experimental shit like that. I love that kind uh, of stuff. You can achieve that dumbass sound with a plug-in now, though, and that's easy. It's so boring with a plug-in, though. You don't it's, have the story of it. You know, that's... Hey, no one is going to listen to this record and be like, hey, tell me the story about this. They're like, oh, this is tight. No, but if I hear that story and I go back and listen to that track, I am a, I'm going to appreciate it a lot more. I'm okay, gonna, oh, well, did you know this is how they did that? That's so fucking cool. We can do that, I guess. It would be fun. 
I lo- I just I love that kind of shit. That's why I love I love old. With for- when we when we do all the vocal stuff, we'll do a bunch of weird shit. Okay, fair enough. Okay, <laughs> all right. So yeah, Ross Robinson did Soulfly, Cold, Slipknot. He did Glassjaw. He did two Glassjaw albums, I believe. Right. He did. Uh, I think he did the, the the first two. Yes, he did the, everything the, the, you ever wanted the to know. Two Glassjaw albums. And he did Worship and Tribute, which I think is crazy because Worship and Tribute was not. That was uh, was that Island or who who put that? Warner? I don't remember Warner. I think I could be wrong. I don't remember. Ross Robinson was uh, typically worked with Roadrunner Records. Yes. Um, but yeah, he he did do uh, Worship and Tribute, which was not on Roadrunner. Um, but either way, he did uh, Blood Brothers. He's done Norma Jean from first to last. Uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, even like newer albums, he's he did Dead Cross. Are you familiar with Dead Cross? No, nobody is. Oh come on, Dead Cross is it's uh it's Mike Patton. Oh the, oh, that's probably awesome. Yeah, Mike Patton, Justin Pearson from The Locust, uh, Dave Lombardo. Okay. Does that mean nothing? To- <laughs> I know who Dave Lombardo is. I was gonna say Dave Lombardo from Slayer, uh, and uh. Michael Crane, um, which I'm I'm less familiar with. Michael Crane. I should I should have started with him, but <laughs> Justin right. Pearson, Justin Pearson, uh, Mike Patton, and Dave Lombardo is that's Dead Cross. Um, that's pretty cool. That's that's a pretty fucking serious lineup for a band. Yeah, and Ross Robinson produced that. Um, he's just he's he's a great he's great at capturing like raw intensity which is what i like in an album you love raw intensity and i, I like that love raw intensity and i love i love raw intensity too i really do um and i do feel like that i need to try other recording techniques like i when i record and write songs which i do every fucking day yeah. i'm running direct but here's the thing, and it's that's not that's not something that's just specific to you though. That's that's my point is that's that's modern recording. That's what music that has is, been for. That is 2022 for, recording is people sitting in front of a computer. There's no there's no element of weird crazy experimentation anymore. It's it's which is why I appreciate if I hear an album where people are still trying to capture that. Sure, that's fair. I I, I do understand that. But, but you know, <coughs> all right. Whatever. So who's who's your number two? Who do you think it is? I don't want to guess because what if I blow your number one? You won't. You know who my number one is. I don't though. <laughs> you do. You do. You know who my. It's exactly who you think it is. Well, if I know who your number one is, then I definitely don't know who your number two is. Well, my number two is Jerry Finn. Okay, I would not have guessed that. Are you kidding? You know, would you know what Jerry Finn has done? Uh, not off the top of my head. Uh, well, I know we just we just talked about him a couple weeks ago. Well, uh, <laughs> a couple he, months ago. Jerry now, Finn. But. He mixed Dookie. He mixed Insomniac. He did Enema of the State. Uh, he did Goo Goo Dolls, Suicide Machines, Jawbreaker, Dear You, Fucking Outcome the Wolves, Smoking Popes, um, Ever Passing Moment by MXPX, which is my ne- number two favorite album of all time. Uh, Sum 41, Bad Religion, Boxcar Racer, AFI, Alkaline Trio. He's done everybody. He's fucking Jerry. Yeah, he, uh, he he died. Um, oh, when wait. did Jerry Finn die? About 10 years ago? Less than 10 years ago? 
2000. It says 2008. <coughs> Jerry fucking Finn, man. He did everything. Like, yeah. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Dude, this. yeah. Jerry Finn's discography. Bonkers. It, oh, my oh, God. You know who else he did? Calling Me Bad. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Dude, that's what I'm saying. He did <laughs> a giant window of everything. But he he took like... I don't, I don't know how to fucking put this. I fucking love Jerry Finn so fucking much. The, the same guy did Dear You, Out Come the Wolves, All Killer, No Filler, like three completely different eras and all super important eras of and important albums for that. Like... He was such a significant producer. <coughs> he um primarily I think he did a lot of mixing. Yeah, I um, see a lot of mixing on the on his list. He did a lot of mixing. Um and just the way he captured guitar tones was ridiculous. He's so fucking sick. If yeah, I could work I'm with anyone, even over my number one, because my number one technically is an option because he's not dead. Um, I would do almost anything to work with Jerry Finn. That's very fair. This this is a really good resume here. Yeah, he's amazing, man. He's amazing. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at. I I'm everybody you named. He also, he did a body count album too. I know we talked about body count earlier. He did. Um, a couple people on this list were just involved <coughs> with body count albums in one way or another. Yeah, Which it's, is weird because it's like, who gives a fuck about body count? <laughs> body count's sick as hell, man. Even though it's not, the music is not that great. The idea of it is awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate. I really appreciate just fucking iced tea with a metal band. Fucking, I get that. No, <laughs> dude, body count's rules. a hardcore band. Fair, fair. Like straight up, like body count sounds like fucking suicidal tendencies. I I love that he did. Uh, Suicide Machines Destruction by Definition is one of my favorite albums. Like I'd say it's probably in my top 25 of all time. Really? Yeah, I fucking love that album. So I love Suicide Machines. Um Smoking Popes. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, god damn, what a resume. What a fucking resume, dude. Jerry Jerry fucking Finn. And that sucks, man. He died he died at the age of 30 39. He was young, man. Yeah, that's awful. He had a hemorrhage, a, a brain hemorrhage, and a massive heart attack. Sad. So what a career, though. Good. What a career. What a fucking career. Um, I guess when you, when you think of my kind of stuff, uh, Jerry Finn and Mark Trombino did really like monumental records for me, for mm -hmm. sure. But my number one is my number one because for a handful of reasons. But uh, yeah, dude, Jerry fucking Finn, man, untouchable, yeah. Ama amazing, amazing, amazing resume, like super important fucking albums. Yeah, these are. It's like the the best albums from all of those bands that you listed. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Jerry Finn as a mixer. Untouchable, untouchable shit. I will take a huge pull of this white claw in memory of Jerry Finn <laughs> because Cheers. I love Jerry Finn and he is a fucking oh my god. So thank you for everything you did, Jerry Finn. I 
it uh it legitimately changed my life yeah thank you jerry finn i didn't know how many of your albums i loved as well so that's uh that's awesome that's um, a, a good poll yeah, oh my god yeah so <clears throat> what's uh what's your number one if it's not fucking ross robinson i'm at a loss for words there uh my number one uh once i say it is gonna be no surprise uh brian wilson from the beach boys oh okay all right yeah fine <laughs> um, and not because I love the Beach Boys, but because uh, Brian Wilson is the greatest songwriter of all time. Brian Wilson is the fucking man. Uh, he he. So he was shout out bare naked ladies. He was uh, that's a good song. Yeah, it, it absolutely is a good <laughs> dude. Bare naked ladies. Bare naked ladies. Fucking. They're pretty sad, great. Dude. They're pretty great. Um, um, I will go on the record and say, "Pinch Me" was a better single than. One week off of stunt. Pinch me is a phenomenal song. Pinch me is a great song. That's a good call. Yeah. That's a good call. Shout out I, bare naked ladies. Yeah, I'm gonna, I know. I'm gonna dive into some bare naked ladies later, and I might listen to the band too. <laughs> <laughs> what a tight thing to say. And also, no, you're not. <laughs> the the least accurate thing I could have possibly ever said. Um, but anyway, um, so Brian Wilson was only like in his early 20s when he started producing records for the Beach Boys. Sure. Um, which is crazy to me, thinking that this kid like went into the studio, especially so he was deaf in one ear too, which is why all Beach Boys tracks, at least that he produced early on, uh, were all recorded in mono just because he could not do stereo. Um, so That's he, the most interesting thing in the world. Right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So he, he was deaf in one ear. He recorded all their stuff in mono, and he he was another one. Like I said, heavily inspired by Phil Spector. I know I brought, I brought him up earlier when I was talking about Phil Spector. Um, inspired by Phil Spector's use of the wall of sound. Sure. Um, he actually started working with the same session musicians that Phil Spector worked with, uh, <laughs> known as the, the Wrecking Crew, which... If you've never heard of the Wrecking Crew, there's several documentaries about them, and I highly suggest you look them up because oh, sure, I, sure. they've they were some of the most important musicians in the history of rock music and pop Definitely. music, and they they recorded everything that you know. <laughs> so um, right, right. So Brian Wilson, uh, you know, he had some mental health issues and decided early on in the Beach Boys that he didn't want to tour anymore. <laughs> um, so they replaced him with a touring member named Bruce Johnston, and okay. While the Beach Boys were out touring, Brian Wilson would stay at home and write music and record new songs. And then when they would come back from tour, they would record vocals on everything. And um, so most of the stuff you hear of the mid 60s to late 60s, even early 70s Beach Boys was all just Brian Wilson wrote all that shit while the rest of the guys were out touring, which is why. You know, there's that first few years of all surf rock and cars and girls and, and sure. summer and... Yeah, Beach Boys shit. Beach Boys shit. But then you get into that mid-60s uh, Pet Sounds, um, which Pet Sounds... One pet of the Sounds most, is the, the best pop album of all time. It, it is. It is. And it's, it's one of the most influential albums of all time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Pet and Sounds that, changed the world. That album was written by Brian Wilson while the rest of the band was out on tour. And How he, tight is that? He wrote and produced it when he was in his early 20s, working with these seasoned veteran musicians in the Wrecking Crew, 
And he would, like I was saying earlier, you know, they only had, you know, three, four track recording. So he would position these people around the room and, you know, you listen to, you listen to studio outtakes from these albums and you hear this 20 year old kid saying, uh, hey, I need you to move a little closer to the microphone. And hey, on, on this measure, I need you to bring your volume up. Just, you know, play a little bit louder for three measures and then back down again. And it's all of this with one fucking working ear, dude. He, he just was, That's he was crazy. a musical genius and my absolute favorite producer of all time i i love nothing more than listening to the, if you if you get this this compilation album called the smile uh, the, sessions the smile sessions i know i've talked about it a ton of times no i just i really like it um i'm kidding you talked about it once before i know i don't I, I, know about this <laughs> i i love it i love it so if for anybody that doesn't know about the beach boys they they had this album called smile that was like an unrealized masterpiece because it, it never came out when it was supposed to. It was supposed to be released in the, the late 60s, um, but there was a huge argument within the band because it was not their typical cars and girls and surfing sound. Sure, it sure, was sure. actual, it was art, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And it created a rift in the band, so they never released it as a full album. Um, they, they took different songs and released them on later albums. Um, but never released it all together. But there, someone who put out this thing called the Smile Sessions, which has all of the songs plus several outtakes and then several tracks of just you hearing Brian Wilson directing the musicians. Hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to do that. And sure, it's fucking, sure. It's one of the most interesting things to listen to ever. I love it. My that's favorite awesome. producer of all time, Brian. That's Wilson. very cool. It's a very respectable answer, and I think that's awesome. And I think I know you're number one. I'm going to tell you my number one, but you know what has to happen. Doing a one, two, three, yo, is such a lost causes thing. And it's so, <laughs> it feels so nice to do, yeah. you know, because I haven't, I haven't done, like we haven't done lost causes in probably almost a year and it feels wow, nice. it's to, been that long already, huh? Uh, yeah, ish, roughly somewhere around there. Nuts. Anyway, my number one, who, who do you think it is? Kanye. No. Really? Yes. <laughs> I said I wasn't putting any hip hop producers on here. I well, I know you said you tried to get away from hip hop, but I, I thought for sure no you would no, put Kanye on your list. It's not. No, it's. I swear to God, it's not. My number one is Bill Stevenson. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was not expecting that at all. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Bill Steven, uh, Bill Stevenson owns the Blaster Room in Fort Collins, Colorado. Okay. Uh, he did. He was in The Descendants. In The Descendants. Uh, he was in Black Flag for a while. He was in All. Um, he's done um, Shades Apart, Lagwagon, MXPX, Mustard Plug, Good Riddance, Slick Shoes, Sidewalk Slam, Useless ID, Wilhelm Scream, Comeback Kid, Rise Against, No Use for a Name, No Effects, The Spellers, Bouncing Souls, Hot Word Music, A Day to Remember. He's done everybody. Yeah. And um, not solely for this, but a good reason for this is... The bass tone on Wake the Dead and uh, the bass tone on any Rise Against record. <laughs> I was going to say, I, that was, as soon as you said that, I was just thinking, oh, this is about bass tone. This is about bass tone. <laughs> this, this is, is about 100% bass tone. about bass tone. <laughs> is, um, I know that's like one of your most important things ever. The bass, to bass tone in hardcore and punk music is the most important thing about hardcore and punk music. If your bass tone yeah. sucks, it, your band sucks. I, I can't argue with that one bit. It's, but, uh... True, true he, he did Wake the Dead by Comeback Kid, and uh, he also he and also he did Broadcasting by Comeback Kid, which were two of their two of their best albums. Sure, sure. 
But uh, the bass tone on Wake the Dead by Comeback Kid and uh, the bass tone on The Suffer and the Witness by Rise Against mm-hmm. are my favorite bass tones ever. Oh, Suffer and the Witness. And he did both those records. And he did, mm-hmm. I think, uh, the all the previous Rise Against as well, I want to say. I'm not completely sure on that. But um, he just he has his studio in Fort Collins, Colorado, and every punk rock band goes there. Yeah. Like there without the blasting room, there would be none of this. Oh, you know who else he did? Who's that? Puddle of mud. He did do puddle <laughs> of mud. And that's 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 wild. That's really hey, wild. I, I you know it's puddle of mud may be a shit band, um, but they they sounded good. <laughs> the, the album had the album was really well produced. Yeah, so because you can't, Bill you, Stevenson you can't, did it. <laughs> you can't fault the producer for that. They just were shit no. musicians. But um, Bill Stevenson is a thousand percent my favorite producer ever. That's I I very much was not expecting that, but I understand it now that it, now that you said it, it makes sense. Um, he did. Uh, I think he did all three Sidewalk Slam albums, and um, Sidewalk Slam was. Very, they never got terribly big. They were like a small three-piece punk rock band from, I think, Southern Illinois, and they were signed to Tooth and Nail Records, and they didn't ever really get terribly huge. But they were, mm-hmm. they're one of my favorite bands ever. I fucking love them so much. But you listen to those records, like, oh yeah, this is some Bill Stevenson shit. Yeah, um, I, I know. I know you mentioned uh, just just like in the last couple weeks, you were telling me you were listening to. Uh, Bouncing Souls and talking about their bass tone. Yeah. Oh, dude. And yeah. Bouncing. So- I've been listening to Bouncing Souls for I don't know twenty something years, and I love I them so fucking much. Do you, how many of their albums did I? I see he did Comet, but I don't. I'm I'm not as familiar with Bouncing Souls, so I don't. He know. He didn't do a lot of the early Bouncing Souls stuff. Um okay. That was uh, the guy that did a lot of the early '90s Epitaph and Fat Rex shit. Was the guy that um pioneered putting a a quarter on your kick drum no shit that was the guy there's a fat rack documentary that's really really interesting um and that that was the guy he went to guitar center to buy those pads and they were out and he's like well what the fuck do i do i have a band coming in so he would just scotch tape some quarters to the kick drum to get that click oh man i think and that's was, he might have been doing like a strung out record or something but uh that's that's the kick sound that you we all know today in yeah. every kind of music. Yeah, it's it's a perfect sound. It's got that <clears throat> that giant low end ass to it, but that really attacky click. Yeah, you need that well, shit, man. Well, let's let's get back to to Bill Stevenson, though. Sure. Oh, sure. He's the fu- oh my god, he's amazing. And he's also very handsome. Is he? I I I think so. Yes, I do. I don't know. He's what he looks uh, like. he's decently burly and like probably late forty something. No, he's in the descendants. He's probably seventy five. Um, <laughs> but uh, Bill Stevenson's a handsome guy. Fifty eight. He's fifty eight. Oh well, okay. He's very handsome, and uh, I would I would do anything to work with Bill Stevenson. Sick. Yeah, he, I'm. Dude, his resume is great. Yeah. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't know he did all this shit. A lot of amazing punk rock, melodic hardcore. All, all the best sounding ones. He's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. a that's a good pull, man. I, I 
Like I said, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that, but as soon as you said it, I was just like, ah, yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Bill Stevenson, that's my number one. Because I know I know how much you love bass tone, and I'm looking at this list. All of these have amazing bass tone. Yes, yes, yes. It's that real nice, like uh, <coughs> I don't even I don't even know what to call it, like almost throaty kind of bass tone. It's throaty and it's got a lot of attack, but it's it's like mm-hmm. the taping the quarter of your kick drum. You get a lot of that that low end ass, but you get a lot of that high mm-hmm. end attack. Mhm. And and I don't I don't know what he does. I've I've looked and looked and looked all over to find like the combat kid wake the dead bass tone. Mhm. Uh I've I've gotten pretty close and I'm really happy with the bass tone I have, but it's not that and <clears throat> that's just what I want. Yeah, these are all great albums. Mm-hmm. This is a good call, man. Good, good, good surprising number one poll. Really but not not that surprising. But it surprised me. Okay. So well, I mean, post editing and everything, we're only maybe slightly over an hour. Yeah, which is pretty good for us. <laughs> so, is there anything we can talk about for like fifteen minutes? Um, you want to talk about the Furnace Fest lineup? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. I'll pull that up. We haven't talked about it yet, and the full lineup is currently out. Uh, actually, I don't think their website's updated. I should just go to Instagram, huh? Oh, they anyway, haven't updated the website yet? I, I haven't. Probably not. You know, that takes weight. That takes mad work. I got it anyway. Uh, it, yeah. So, uh, the surprise do you, the the surprise headliner. Not um, a surprise. I've known. It, no, since. well, a, a surprise for. Most of the people that no, are good. Well, like, I, I when, wouldn't even say when most. They put out, it, when they put out question marks and you go to like Reddit or just comment threads, someone's like, oh, it's sunny day. Everyone fucking knew. Yeah, Everyone yeah, knew. For sure. For sure. And I'm very happy with I've never seen sunny day. Um, but I want to see sunny day. So when I look at sunny day's day, like they're playing at the same time probably as Manchester and the ghost inside. And I'm okay with that. I would Don't get me wrong. I'd like to watch... I would probably watch Ghost Inside over Manchester. I w- I'm probably going to watch the Ghost Inside. Yeah. Ghost Inside uh, has had a, a big comeback, although didn't something shitty come out about the bassist, maybe? I don't remember. I, I don't know. know. What I mean, of, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, but the thing with, uh, so la- last year, if as long as I do the time slots like they did last year, um, I'm guessing Sunny Day is going to be playing the big stage. And uh, what they did last year was they staggered the start times on the stages by like 15 minutes or so. So even if you watch all of the Ghost Inside set, you still may be able to dip over to the big stage and watch a good, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of sunny day. I bet you come, you know, nine o'clock on this Saturday night when all these bands are starting, we're we're both going to be like, I'm fucking tired, and we're gonna bounce and not watch any of them. <laughs> That's I for two nights. I did that last year. I was so fucking beat, dude. It was a lot. But so but, uh, f- Friday night, the first night, mm-hmm. Thrice is playing the Illusion of Safety in full, which mm-hmm. is um, actually that's fucking that's a big fucking deal. I know that's 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 a like lot. that's we like talked about peak fucking Thrice. I cannot wait for that. But We've also, talked about I Thrice think- on the show before about how I just I never got into them and not not because I don't like them I just uh, they 
I, I don't know. Something something happened where maybe I was into the wrong type of music when I was introduced to Thrice, and it just didn't stick with me right. Sure. I always I always refer to it as a, I missed them. You know what I mean? Well, listen to the Illusion of Safety because of everything you like about music, you will love, 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 love that album. Fair enough. It's super. I, I'll check it out. It's technical. But, it's fast and it's heavy. To be fair, though, I know you've seen Newfound Glory probably what thirty times at this point. Um. But, but at this point, when this show happens, I will be at 18. 18? I've never seen them, and I'd love to see them. So I'm I'm probably going to be at Newfound Glory I mean, between Glory the three headliners, it's, what, it's Thrice Playing Illusion of Safety, Newfound Glory, and Alexis on Fire. Um, yeah. I'm probably still going to watch Newfound <clears throat> Glory. I'm, I'm going to... And, and here's the thing. Again, Thrice will probably be on the main stage. Uh, Newfound Glory will probably be on the plug your hole stage or, or the you know the shed stage whatever they're calling it this year whoever's sponsoring it, um, and there will probably be a fifteen minute, yeah. ten to fifteen minute stagger so we could probably watch at least half of Newfound Glory and still make it to the this stage to watch thrice, but uh, I think I'm gonna I, I probably will miss out on Alexis on Fire so I've seen Alexis on Fire a lot of times, um, but. I mean, Newfound Glory is my third favorite band of all time. I'm going to watch them. Sure. Who else do we got that day? That uh, day uh, is actually a big day for me. That's uh, the, that's one of the best days. Acacia Strain's going to be there mm-hmm. on Friday, which I'm I I've seen Acacia Strain uh, twice live, and they're amazing. Um, counterparts, I've never seen Counterparts. I want to see Counterparts. Very excited to see Counterparts. Um, Dead to Fall. Is one of my all-time favorites. I'm. They were so. Uh, Jonathan Hunt from Dead to Fall was at Furnace Fest last year, and I kept bumping into him and talking to him. And so fucking cool. I can't How believe he didn't get to play last year. How did you not mention that you want to watch Belmont? Uh, well, you love Belmont. I, I do. I'm kind of over Belmont, man. Their last couple of releases haven't been that well, great. For I'm me. assuming Belmont's probably going to play Matt early in the day. And and that's if if there's. Uh, I'd say they're probably at least halfway up my list of bands I want to see that day. Like my, so, there's a, like who are your absolute have to sees that day? On Friday, I have to see uh, Dead to Fall. I have to see Impending Doom. I have to see Counterparts. And pr- I, I, I would really, really like to see. You're going to make fun of me for this, I'm sure, but E Town. I'd like to see E Town. I, I really want to see E Town. Not a have to, but it'd be fun. <coughs> that's that's probably my my half. To I have for, I for have Friday. a lot of half to sees on this day because I have to see. Um, we already talked about Thrice and Newfound Glory. I have to see mm-hmm. Midtown. Okay. Um, I would love to see Shadows Fall. Shadows Fall is going to be sick. Uh, I would love to see Quicksand. I have to see counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to see Glass Eater. I have to see Stretch Armstrong. I have to see mm-hmm. Strung Out. Um, I would like to see Movements and Norma Jean and Madball and Dead to Fall. I I would like to see Madball and Integrity. I've seen Norma Jean enough times, and also just with sure. The stuff that's come out about them in recent years, I really don't care to see them. I, I think uh, that their singer seems like a piece of shit, um, and I, I'm not interested. Although, I'm, although that being said, 68 is there the same day, 
And if there is any chance of Josh Scoggin getting on stage and doing Memphis with Norma Jean, I am there for that. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the next day, we talked about Sunny Day in Manchester and the Ghost Inside. Mm-hmm. Um, my absolutely have to seize that day. Uh, I have to see Watashi Wa, Squad Five okay. O, Pedro the Lion is playing Control in full, um, which is mm-hmm. a huge fucking thing for me. I have to see My Children, My Bride. Um, I have to see Misery Signals. I have to see Five Iron Frenzy, Hidden in Plain View, Life in Your Way. I would love to see Figure Four. I have to see Earth Crisis. I have to see Advent. I have to see Blindside. Uh, I have to see Poison the Well. See, this is going to be a big problem because I'm pretty sure Blindside and Poison the Well are playing at the same time. Then I'm going to see Blindside. I'm and I am at Poison the Well. As much as I, that's this is a big. This is very hard. This but is a also, tough day for me. I feel I, like Poison the Well is going to do a lot more touring after this, and Blindside probably isn't. And Blindside is playing Silence in full. I know, I know, and I am very, very, very stoked on Blindside. And but as much as I would love to see it, Poison the Well is my all-time favorite, and I've only gotten to see them once in my life. They were supposed to be at Furnace Fest last year, and they weren't able to make it, and. I, I was so so sad about I that. Get, I get, I get it, I get it. I have to watch them this year, um, but yeah, for for my have to see is that day, uh, Advent, um, Fuck Cursive, yeah, whatever, Earth Earth Crisis. You don't like Cursive? We've talked about. We've this. talked about that. Yeah, we have talked. I give about a fuck that. about Cursive, man. It's boring to me. I love Cursive. That's fine. Um, Go ahead. Earth Crisis. Um, Ms. Sigs. Most precious blood. Oh, fuck! I forgot about the most most precious blood. Yeah, and that, I think that's it. That's all. Of my, I, I I would love to see Pedro for sure. Oh, and I would also love to see Roadside <clears throat> Monument. And yeah. uh, if I have time and the showdown is playing, I'll, I'll go watch the showdown. I I might watch the showdown if, if nobody they play, else is if playing they play their the Kansas cover. Yeah, that shit's tight, I, man. <laughs> most likely at that point in the day, I'm gonna be trying to find something to eat. So fair enough. I'll, so, I'll watch whoever is closest to the food stands that I want to eat. So for. headliners on Sunday between the three. Uh-huh. My hat. If I was going to pick just the one, I'm going to pick the story so far. I would also probably say story so Mastodon. far. I love Mastodon. I fucking love Mastodon. I've seen Mastodon twice. Yeah. I've seen The Descendants twice. Um, I've if, never seen Descendants. If Bill so Stevenson is there and like I've run into him, I'll be like, hey, Oh my God! Like, let's get married, or like, you just want to go? Like, I'll go suck your dick behind a taco truck or something. Like, I want to. You're the the greatest. Um, but I I've only seen the story so far one time, and it uh-huh. was ten years ago. I would like to see them again. I'm also very interested in who's playing bass for the story so far now because they just kicked their basses out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, that's a tough one for me because I I've never seen Descendants and I'd really like to see them. So I I'm probably going to lean towards going to Descendants over Story so far. But yeah, I, my, my headliners I'm going to for sure go Story so far, and for the second tier headliners I'll probably go Avail or maybe American Nightmare. I'm probably going to do American Nightmare. Hmm. Um, Otherwise, then, oh yeah, go yeah. ahead. Go no, ahead. Uh, you uh, all, right, all right? I'll go. Right. Um, Agnostic Front, I got to see them. Um, 
Comeback Kid. I've seen Comeback Kid a couple of times already, but they're always Whatever. fucking amazing. They're one kid. of the best, if if not the best live band ever. So you have to watch them. Um, Jesus Peace is a have to see for me. Um, and uh, so here's here's a, a tough one, man. Um, I fucking love the Red Chord. Sure, I. Fused together through revolving doors and clients are... Oh, shit. Drop my headphones. Hang on a second. <laughs> well, whatever. He'll be all right. I'll talk for a second so you know. Okay. Yeah. I felt, uh, I felt so, some slightly dead air. Okay. Fire. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Fused together through revolving doors and clients are two of like the best like grind... Um, like extreme metal albums in my lifetime um and they're hugely important albums for me however was there grind albums prior to your lifetime yeah are you what are you 36 yeah i think grind was invented in maybe like the early 80s i was born in 85 okay that's a good you know that's a good question whatever i guess mid 80s is considered the early who's anyway, first, the, who's the first grind band that's a I always I've always considered like um Napalm Death is like one of the Okay. Like the godfathers of the genre, but I guess I really don't know who is considered the all time first. Respect, fair enough. I don't know. We, we we could we could dive into that in another episode. We don't have to. I don't have anything to say. I know you don't care as much, but I'd <laughs> I'd, I'd love to. But <laughs> anyway, so anyway, about the red cord though. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm sure some people listening are aware of this. Their lead singer, uh, when the band split up, their lead singer became a cop in the state of Connecticut. I think. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, and um, there was a he was a Trump supporter, and you know, without making the show too political, I just don't know if I could support him on stage. Um. Which is a big problem for me because I love the Red Chord and I would love to see them again. Within the last year, I've been able pretty easily to not take all that to heart so much and maybe try to understand context a little more. So, yeah, for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not like a... A cop hater or anything like I'm that. A, I fucking hate cops. You can say you're a cop hater. That's fine. Fuck, I, fuck well, the police. I, you know, I have a friend that I went to high school with who is is or I don't know if he still is a cop, but um, and and me and him have actually gotten in several debates on Facebook about politics and stuff. But sure. but I know him personally. I know he's a good guy, and I don't fault him for being a cop. You know, mm, but. Well. In, in the case of Guy from the Red Cord, though, like, you know, people have tried to make excuses about, like, oh, well, you know, the, the police the police station, he was they were doing a fundraiser for Donald Trump and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, there's a photo of him, like, standing and shaking hands with Donald Trump. It's like, dude, you didn't have to get that photo. Like, so it's, it's pretty clear where you stand on that shit. And, like, I, I don't know. Again, I don't want to make the show too political, but at the same time, like, if you're listening to this show and you're a Trump supporter, like, kind of fuck, fuck you. you. 
Yeah, I, we don't we don't need you. <laughs> so there's that. Um, Fair enough. So yeah, so that's like I, I don't I don't know if I could sit and listen to the red chord because of that, and it sucks. I mean, I, I I get it, but like I can still listen to some some stuff. That's um, the thing. So I, I'm, there's a big thing about separating art from artists. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. We, we've even talked about it. Like when we were on our way home from that uh, Glass Jaw show, yeah, we were listening to Lost Profits in the car. Yeah, way, di- way different. Profits. That motherfucker tried to fuck babies, and that's not that's children, exactly, but babies. That's that's exactly it. There's there are way worse things that an artist can do than just be a Republican. Yeah, you they know? could fuck babies. So there's that. There's that level of it, and. Uh, for that, that's it's it's like it's literally at this point it's a coin toss on whether or not I'm going to watch the red cord. Respect. I would love to. I feel you. I would love to. And, but at the same time, it's like you know what they they, they could have got another singer to come and do the show, do the tour with them, whatever. I, don't I mean, know. I, I, don't know. I understand what you're getting at. But yeah, but, so uh, there's that. On Sundays, the ones I have to see on yes. Sunday. <laughs> so I'm going to say uh, the story so far. Uh, a Wilhelm scream. I need. I have to see them. Uh, I would love to see Agnostic Front. I have to see Combat Kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Four Year Strong is playing Enemy of the World in full. I they're they're on my and, uh, would love to watch. I list. love 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 that fucking album so much. Yeah. Have to see that. Um, what else do we got? Um, Kublai Khan is on my. They're not on my have to see, but I would love to watch them. Uh, Kublai Khan's very high up there. I would love to see Jesus Peace. Uh, Koyo. I have to see Lagwagon. Um, I would love to see nothing. I have to see sick of it all. I would love to see soul glow. Um, stick to your guns. I have to see strike anywhere, and I would love to watch wrist meat razor. Wrist meat razor is another one very high on my list for sure. But yeah, so um, we'll for sure have to miss some shit. Yeah, but uh, there's there's a, there's a a couple of things that I will not miss no matter what. For sure, and you know I there was last year I was able so. This fest, the festival grounds are huge, but there is the stages are close enough together that you can go from one stage to the next in about like two to three minutes if you're booking it, you know. So, really, even if there are a bunch of bands playing at the same time, you could watch half sets and dip and and make it to the other stage to watch another band. It's it's very easy to catch as much as you as you want, you know. Yeah, sure. So there's that. It's 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 going to be a great festival. Yes, definitely. I'm and, very excited and you know to be what? able to go. One of, one of the, regardless of the bands that are playing and dude the 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 vibe that this festival has built, the community that this festival has built is incredible. Like Oh, sure. The if anybody uh it, if any listeners are going to Furnace Fest and you're not already part of like the Facebook group, the, there's a Furnace Fest like friends group. It's it is seriously it's a community of like hundreds of people from all over the country, even in other countries, that are just so stoked to watch all these bands that we grew up listening to, and it's like it's a very welcoming and friendly community. And I've I've never experienced something like that where like I last year you know. I ended up having to go to the the festival myself, yeah, and I was, I'm no no no. It, it, but that's the thing. That's but that was going to be my point. Like, even with that, me being as like awkward and uncomfortable of a person as I am, there were several people that just like recognized me from the Facebook group. Sure, 
and they stopped and said, "Hey, how's it going?" And you know, they talked to me for a few minutes, and it was shout out. Uh, what's your name, Ashley Bellamy? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't like been that. on Facebook in almost a year, and I remember that girl's name. Yeah. Um, she commented on everything I put in there. I remember yeah. I put up a meme of like a, a dark green Ford Taurus, and I uh-huh. tagged it as Evergreen Taurus, <laughs> and uh, motherfuckers <laughs> lost their minds over that. <laughs> It's just the the community at this show. It's it's unlike anything else. And yeah, even excited. if you even if you aren't part of the Facebook group, just everybody. I'm not gonna say everybody. There were still a few shitheads there, um, but 98 percent of the people at this festival are all just fucking mid mid to late 30s people wanting to kind of relive their. Eh, pr- probably not anymore. The shit's getting too big. I don't know, man. This is this is still very much, you know, the bands are very much catering to our demographic again. I can't believe I have to fucking pee again. Well, as I think we're about done anyway. Yeah, we're so, good. but uh, I'm very excited for Furnace Fest. Uh, I'm for sure bringing my MacBook and some mics so we can Dude, do a little be bit, sick. Of, do a little bit of coverage after when we get back to the Airbnb to just bullshit about the day. We'll put out like a one episode of the day or yeah, of, uh, be of the weekend. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. Well, I'll bring some some bottles of wine and my MacBook and some some microphones, and we'll make it happen. For sure, man. Cool. All right. Well, uh, as always, thanks for listening. And for sure, we'll, appreciate yeah. you. And we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Take it easy, y'all. All right, later.